This episode is brought to you by Patreon, specifically the Comic Pop Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash comic pop and find out more about how you can keep the lights on here at Comic Pop. And don't worry, we've got plenty of fun rewards, including early access to videos and weekly updates about what's happening here at the studio. That's patreon.com slash comic pop. All right, let's get on with the show now. Sweeping down upon the underworld to smash gangland comes the friend of the unfortunate, enemy of criminals. Mysterious, all-powerful character, a problem to the police, but a crusade of law. Hey everybody, welcome to the Sports Exchange. I'm Sal, and I'm joined today by Jason Aaron. Jason, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Uh, you have had an incredible body of work. You have an incredible body coming. There's so much more to talk about. Uh, I, I don't even know where to begin, but I think we'll have to start. Uh, can I ask about where the influence for your run on Avengers came from. Why, why did you jump on Avengers? What got you there? And, and, and what has guided your direction uh, to here? Um, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know, you know, like I think with a lot of things I've done, it's sort of just, it was the right time. You know, I'd had, I'd had the chance to do Avengers before and timing wasn't right. You know, and mm-hmm. I wasn't going to leave Thor until I was done. Um, so I kept kind of resisting things that would have pulled me away from that. Mm. Uh, but this just seemed like the right time, the, you know, the right next step. I, I knew I was kind of starting to wind down my Thor run when I took Avengers. And um, I knew that would give me a chance to sort of take some of the stuff you know, I was wrapping up a lot of Thor stuff that I'd been, um, you know, dealing with for many years, but I knew some things from Thor I wanted to carry over into the next thing. So give me a good point to sort of transition that stuff. Great. Actually, if you remember, there was, you read my Thor stuff, there was one, I don't remember what issues they were, um, but we flash back and see one of the Viking age Thor stories, young Thor stories, there's like, um, introduce, introduce his character who's sort of like a Viking version of the Hulk. Yeah. And we tease sort of a Native American ghost writer and um, the Black Panther. I forget what all other characters we tease. And, it, you know, sort of the beginning of like a Viking age Avengers. Yeah. So that, you know, that clearly, like I had plans for that stuff in Thor, but then once I, was taken over Avengers I was like well I think I'll use that stuff here so that sort of led into the Stone Age Avengers you know that showed up in Marvel Legacy number one right when you were working on Thor clearly you had I think and correct me if I'm wrong but like you you kind of knew where it was going you had it kind of mapped out where you wanted to begin where you wanted to wrap up um did you happened to know that your wrap-up for Thor was going to kind of dovetail into Avengers and were you kind of worried like oh do I really need to like have I said everything I want to say with Thor were you was it kind of like concerning for you to have to like kind of keep talking about Thor even you know in this new team book in a new in a new setting um no I mean I know what you what you mean not really um I mean yeah I knew I knew I could step away from Thor feeling like, okay, I'm done. I've, yeah. I've had said everything I wanted to say. At that point, you know, it's, it's, a, it's somebody else's. So um, 
you know, I knew Donnie was going to be taking over Thor. So when I write Thor and Avengers now, it doesn't, it doesn't feel, you know, like I'm hanging out with an ex-girlfriend or something. Okay. Like, <laughs> um, I don't know. It feels just different. It feels like a different, different thing. So um, I really helps that I, you know, I like everything that Donnie's doing in Thor. Um, and that's part of the job with Avengers is that you're always dealing with characters that in some way belong to other books. You know, they pretty much all have their own solo books. And yeah, it's a juggling act to like reflect what's going on in those books, but also have space to tell your own stories in the team book. Sure. I have to ask about something that I think is a dynamic that I really find compelling in your writing, which is particularly in your superhero prose, which is that there is this glance or toe dipping or just straight up chapters that take place in the far future that deal with kind of like the older seasoned version of the character. Is that an element that you just happen to really enjoy doing? Or is there something that like lends themselves by the characters? It happens in Conan and happened in Thor. Uh, where we get to look at like what they're like at you know in their twilight years, uh, where does that come from, and 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 how much fun is that to do? You know, I don't, I don't know where exactly that comes from. I mean, I think you can look and see. I've done that quite a bit. You know, even before, you know, Thor of course was a a big version of that, right? Yeah. And, and that, but that it came from you know wanting to speak to what made Thor different from. Captain America or Spider-Man or other Marvel characters and that he is he is a god and he's been around a long time and he'll be around, you know, after all those other characters are dead and gone. So I wanted right. a story that, you know, that showed that and and um stretched across, you know, many, many eons. Um I also just liked that idea of putting together multiple versions of the same character and having them interact with each other. <laughs> I think maybe that's the thing that became more interesting to me as I've gotten older and you just look back at your life and how much you've changed and in some ways how you haven't changed at all. And that idea of, you know, meeting your 16 year old self and your present day and maybe your 80 year old self and putting you all in the room together probably, probably wouldn't go so great. You don't think so? <laughs> I don't think so, but I mean, my, with me, we could all still talk comics, I'm sure. But sure. Um, but I think even before that Thor story, I, you know, I'd done a little of that in with Wolverine. I think right. in Wolverine, the X Men. You know, we showed we flash forward a few times. We did that in Battle of the Atom. Um, so yeah, I don't know why, but that's that's clearly a thing I've, <laughs> I've come back to again and again, and. Um, with this, like with Avengers, it's sort of the next big step of that, you know, where um, the not just the same character, but like, you know, showing these primordial powers. So, you know, do these characters, the powers that have been passed around from a lot of characters through the eons in Marvel, like the Phoenix and the Iron Fist and Black Panther. And um, I, I mean, I think in general, for me as like a creator and a consumer of entertainment, I'm interested in those characters that get reinterpreted over the course of years. You know, I loved, I love uh, Bond films. I love comparing the different eras of Bond films. I love Tarzan movies. You know, I love Godzilla and King Kong. 
and I'm always fascinated, even in the instances where the, the films or stories don't work great. I mean, right. how do these characters stay relevant? How do you keep changing them and tweaking them to reflect yeah. and to connect with modern audiences? I'm interested in that. So I think maybe, maybe that's sort of where it comes from. Yeah, it's kind of about legacy, I think, right? For sure. And, you know, that, that tied in perfectly when we were doing Marvel Legacy, right? And right. <laughs> I'd kind of, they asked me to write that and I was like, well, I got an idea that might work for that. That was originally going to be the opening of Avengers number one, but I, you know, worked that into the Legacy one shot. Yeah. Was that really it? Was it just like, we want to do this thing called La Marvel Legacy, whatever you have, just, just throw it out there? Or was it like, well, we, we kind of want to go in this direction. Do you have anything that tailors to that kind of, kind of sensibility? Yeah, I mean, we just, we talked about it being a book that would sort of be, you know, would reflect kind of the status quo for a lot of different characters, sort of, this is what it looks like in the Marvel Universe right now. But, you know, you need something that kind of ties all that together. Sure. Um, and I'm like, well, I think I know what that could be. <laughs> I I love your attention to um, to magic and to mysticism, and I think it might actually connect in some way to this concept of like these characters that that can't die or that will be around for a long time. Um, your Doctor Strange run, for example, is uh, a singular period in Strange's history where it kind of doesn't really it doesn't seem like shadows of other things we've seen before or since and i was wondering was it was it the what attracted you to strange was it magic was it the character was it the fact that you were able to talk about kind of like a grounded real world but also get fantastic with it where where did that come from you know again i think it was something different you know it was a character in a series that was different from what i'd done before mm-hmm. um and again it just sort of seemed like the right time you know, like when I took over Thor, it seemed like the right time for me to do Thor. Neither Stranger Thor, neither one were characters I'd I'd grown up, uh, you know, as big fans of them. I wasn't walking around with a with a briefcase full of Thor and Doctor Strange pitches. But at that moment in time, you know, Marvel was looking to do a new Strange book, and I thought, yeah, I think, you know, I think I'd like to do that. Um, I knew right away I wanted it to be Chris. Bachalo that I wanted to work with him again. I wanted it to be something that, you know, was was dark and weird, but also fun, you know, like the Wolverine and X-Men stuff we'd done together. Um, and we'd had a lot of the Marvel retreats we'd had over the years, we would talk from time to time about magic, you know, like, well, what are the rules of magic? How do we define magic? And all that conversation, one, we could never answer those questions. Um, too i always thought like well the more we try to answer those questions it sort of takes some of the magic out of the magic right right um so for me i just kind of settled on that one for me the one rule um was that all this stuff has a cost right again i was trying to think about how is dr strange different from all the other marvel characters um and he walks a very different beat right like yeah you know, he's not just patrolling the streets of New York. He's sort of the, the guardian between us and all these um, crazy other dimensions and the, the you know, mind-boggling monsters and wizards and demons that, that lurk in them. Yeah. Um, so that's a very different kind of job to have. So I like the idea that that 
takes a toll on you, you know, um, but you can't, can't do that and, and live a rosy life. Right. <laughs> this is really going to mess you up. And there's no way, you know, there's, there's no happy retirement home for former um, Sorcerer Supreme, right? Like <laughs> probably that ends badly for you that you kills you, you go crazy, whatever. So that, that to me was the only rule is any of this shit you do. Like you can't, Strange can't show up and just wave his fingers around and save the day. Yeah. He can seem to do that, but whether you know it or not, he has the, there is a call to be paid by him or someone else. Um, But that's always the defining rule. Right. I I really liked your approach to Dr. Strange. I honestly, as I, I like Dr. Strange, but I was never really like the world's biggest Dr. Strange fan, but my wife was, and she was like, you've got to take a look at this strange book. Cool. Uh, Bachelot's art, uh, it, notwithstanding, like it's incredible stuff. And it's just such like crazy visuals and the, but the approach to the character and the, the honesty through which he was portrayed was something that I had never really considered before. And, I, I, I miss it nowadays. And I, I was wondering, like, have you, have you, do you feel like you've kind of said everything you have to say about the doc or is, is there more someday, do you think? Um, I don't, maybe, I don't know. I mean, we, you know, we've seen him a little bit in Avengers, so. Sure. Um, I would say I'm sure I'll write him again. You know, you can I think with Avengers, you can see him still playing with, Again, those primordial powers and the Sorcerer Supreme is one of those. So yeah. In terms of me going back to do Doctor Strange solo stuff again, I don't know. Again, if it seems like the right time, um, I mean, I I know well, somewhere over there I've got my Doctor Strange notebook. Um, and I think there were more ideas in it. You know, I think it's a line between whenever you're leaving a book, you want to leave before you run out of ideas, but yeah um doesn't mean you have to exhaust every single one you've got you also don't want to overstay your welcome i think it's okay (laughs) to leave with like a couple more bullets in the in the The chamber you're right so Um, to speak yeah so i don't know we'll see (laughs) that's fair it's pretty full but yeah no that's true um i would love to ask about where your approach to star wars came from if you don't mind um how did that all come about? Like, what, where, where, when did you, when did they pick you to kind of launch it, so to speak? Where they're like, "Okay, Jason, give us Star Wars." Like, it's the it was, you know, hugely selling book. A lot of the eyes on it. Not only that, but of course, like it's Marvel's latest word on the property, and they right. asked you to kind of like speak for them. Uh, did you always have a Star Wars pitch, and did you get to use it? No, I did not always have start. I mean, I, don't, I think I figured out pretty quickly, like in my career, that it didn't make sense to kind of chase after characters. Or I tried that um, initially and just didn't get anywhere. And I realized mm-hmm. it's better to sort of like, what is the situation? Who are the editors? You know, what is what speaks to me at this moment in time? And then kind of figure out the story. Um, sure. So no, I never really have a pitch sitting around for anything um but yeah it was cool i mean i you know i just got the call of hey do you want to do star wars kind of not you know not long after um, the disney lucasfilm deal was announced and the you know one of the coolest things is that we were like 
the, our book was like the first new Star Wars thing of that year, right? Like, yeah. They were, they were working on movies and everything else, but we were kind of the first new thing out of the gate. Um, but I think the pitch was always just, you know, you walk out of that original film, somebody hands you this comic and says, here, this is the next chapter of that story. Yeah. You know, John, John Cassidy was a huge Star Wars nerd. Um, I think we always talked about, we want this to feel like those original films. And we just, beyond that, I was just wanted to grab for the biggest moments I could just to make it feel, you know, important that this was like a necessary chapter of that story. That's why, you know, we had Vader and Luke face to face at the end of issue one. And, yeah. Um, brought in Jabba and eventually Yoda and, figured out a way for Luke to fight Boba Fett, um, you know, wanted to show that if anybody in Star Wars has an angry ex-wife out there, it should be Han Solo, right? So, yeah. Um, so we just wanted to grab for big stuff, and I was really surprised that, that, the, <laughs> that they let us do. Was there any character in particular that you were like, wow, I didn't, I didn't expect to really enjoy or get excited writing about this particular character? For sure. It was definitely uh, C-3PO. Um, the, he was probably the most fun to write, which I never would have expected um, because he's also kind of useless and annoying. Right. But he's the one who insults everyone. He's so pessimistic. <laughs> And in that first storyline, you know, there's a moment where um, 3PO is like left behind to kind of keep an eye on the Falcon. Yep. The heroes are in trouble. And then these aliens start basically, you know, stealing the tires off the Falcon. Right. And Han's yelling at 3PO like, you know, there's a blaster right there. Like, take it, you know, defend the ship or we're all going to die. And I remember some fans were like, oh, awesome. You know, we're going <laughs> to... Rupio is going to actually do something and save the day. No, of course he's not going to save the day. <laughs> he instantly goes out and falls and drops the blaster and, you know, gets taken prisoner. Yeah. It, 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 he is a great opportunity for inadvertent, like, evergreen comedy. You know, like, you, you don't really get a right. chance to really infuse slapstick unless it's, like, kind of over the top. And I find that 3PO is technically, like I, a lot of times when people get a chance to use 3PO, they kind of go, oh, I have to, and I have to put 3PO in here, like he's window dressing. But you kind of, it seemed like you really got the character and you really had fun playing with him. So I, that, that, that means that's great. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, for sure. I definitely did. But I, again, I never would have expected that. Going no. Um, I, uh, I, I find that, you know, whenever the topic of Jason Aaron comes up, there's a lot of, there's a lot of Marvel and yet, some of the like when, one of the places that I first heard your name mentioned was Scalped for Vertigo. Where did you start with that, and what was your relationship with Vertigo like? And how do you feel about where we are now with Vertigo? I mean, so to speak, it's not really here, but you know where we are in terms of the the, the legacy of Vertigo. Right. Yeah. I mean, Vertigo is where. I'd got my start, you know, I won a Marvel talent search contest, it was kind of my first public published work, but that didn't really lead to anything else. So mm. it was 2005, 2006, when I started doing the other side, 
um, Vertigo, which it's a Vietnam War book, which was, that was the first full comic script I'd ever written was The Other Side, number one. Um, so once that started going, they asked me to pitch other things and I scalped was one of the things I pitched. So that became my first ongoing series. Yeah. Um, and we got, you know, what, 60 issues? Yeah. Out of that, which was, which was great. I mean, it was sort of, that was sort of what everybody used to want, right? Like everybody kind of wanted to do one of those 60 issue vertigo runs. Um, and I think, you know, I got to do kind of one of the last ones of those. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was sad when uh, vertigo went away, you know, we, there was a little um, um, sort of a funeral for vertigo um, that year that I went to and, you know, got to talk to everybody who, people who gave me my comic book career, um, like Will Dennis and Karen Berger. And so I think I'll always proudly think of myself as like a Vertigo alumni, you know? I mean, I think I learned how to write comic books from, from reading Vertigo comics and then from writing them. Um, and I feel like I'm still a, you know, even though I'm doing books that are very different from Scalped, I feel like, still feel like I'm that same Vertigo writer who's working on Avengers and Thor and everything else I do. So um, yeah, I'll always be proud to have been a part of that. What would today's young Jason Aaron who has scalped or something or they're scalped, what, what would they do now without Vertigo? Like what's their option? What's their avenue? What would you do? Well, you say young me. Now I'm thinking again of like the past. The, the multiple. Yeah. Of but you mean like a <laughs> younger, you just like a young comic book creator. Yeah. Like Not, 10 years ago. Yeah. Like how is, how, how like do how does break how, into comics? Or? Yeah, like what? Well, not break into comics, but more like you got this incredible work. You know, you know, at least you have sixty issues in it, and it's something that people want. Um, but Vertigo doesn't exist for those for those young for those young talent. Is Image the option, or is there something like that? You know, what, what's what's the talk of the town? Like, where do you where do you go to get your to get your books like that? To get something that, you know has that vertigo flavor. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think you see that different places. Certainly image, I mean, um, image you get sort of everything, right? Yeah. Like you, vertigo is certainly a little more curated than images where there's sort of everything you can imagine, whether that's long running series or short ones or minis. Yeah. Um, I think you, to me, I see a lot of that now in Boom and the stuff that Boom is doing. They're doing a lot of cool books. And I yep. you know, know some of the editors over there who I'm big fans of. So um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the times change, the situations change. I don't know that you have as many people looking to do long 60-issue runs now of, of things. I think maybe people are aiming a little shorter. Mm. Um, for me, I haven't felt the urge to like dive into another 60 issue run. Um, but we'll see, you know, it could change my mind in a month or so. That's true. Do, do you have any, uh, any, any independent, something like a little harder edged that you're just kind of like itching to tell, or is it just uh, when the time comes and when it, when it strikes you? Um, yeah, certainly. I mean, I know what I want my next creator own book to be. I don't know if I'd say it's, 
it's not like scalped. I mean, it's something very different. Sure. Um, but again, it's something that kind of speaks to me now at this moment in time, you know, and this moment in time is certainly very, very different than where I was at um, 15 years ago when yeah. I was starting Scout. Um, so yeah, we'll see. Nothing, nothing I can talk about yet. Fair enough. What it is or where it's going to happen, but I know what it is. I'm sort of poking away at it. Um, you know, still trying to figure it out before I'd start writing it, but I'd like to start writing it soon. Good, good. That's exciting. Um, th this is more just like for me, I know it's like an older book, but it's something that I'd love to know more about. Uh, the Astonishing Spider-Man and Wolverine. Right. This book comes out of left field. It's gorgeous. It's hilarious. It's ridiculous. It's my first exposure to the orb, who I think you seem to have an unhealthy obsession with because I've seen him and every, every so often I'll read a book and I go, the orb. And then I go, oh, right. Aaron wrote this. Does it have to be an unhealthy? Uh, well, yeah, I guess that's uh, really in the eye of the beholder, really. But, uh, but that was my... It's not like it's ruining my life. It's not like a drug addiction. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> is, this inter is this an orb intervention? Uh, yeah. Well, the, here they all are. We're all going to talk about your, your, the orb. And uh, I mean, really the culmination of the orb was, was original sin, right? Where it's just, it's all eyes. It's like they gave, Marvel gave away rubber ball eyes. True. I did have one of those on my desk. <laughs> I, don't I don't know where mine is either. I took like three or four of them and lost well, them once a time. I've got a sack of them somewhere. <laughs> I gotta get one again. I was so I was so excited when they told me about that. That's one of the few like marketing tie-ins that I was like a hundred percent on board for. I'm like, this is great. It's just so smart. Um, but yeah, Astonishing Spider-Man Wolverine. I loved that series. And where did that come about? Um, I think they just asked me to do a Spider-Man Wolverine. Book. Was it just we, they wanted Spider-Man and Wolverine, or were you like, let's throw Wolverine in there? <laughs> No, I think that was the idea. I think I was definitely asked to do that. And then just came up with the craziest thing I could figure out and um, got to work with Adam Kubert. I think for the, that was the first time he and I had worked together. Uh, he was super excited. The bigger and crazier it got, the more he was into it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that book was a, a lot of fun. You know, hopefully it was fun and silly, but I feel like there was some heart to it. Absolutely. Um, as well, and it's still, um, you know, hopefully by the end of it, there was some emotional punch. I think so. I mean, you you, you deepened, well, at least ex further deepened the relationship between these two characters. You introduced a love interest that heretofore has never been referenced again that was like really impactful and, uh, and tragic uh, that I really enjoyed. Um, and there's elements of that book that keep popping up every once in a while. Those time diamonds keep popping up every once in a while. And you're like, yeah. oh. I remember those. Um, but when also, the hell is... Yo, go ahead. We also showed that Wolverine invented beer. Yes! Oh, the small ones pop. That was a big deal. And that's that keeps popping up every once in a while. I'm still waiting for the Phoenix gun and Doom the Living Planet to show up, though. Well, you may not have to wait that much longer. Okay. <laughs> Every once in a while on uh, on the internet, you will see that double page splash of Wolverine facing off against Doom the Living Planet, and people go, "What is that? Like, where did this come from?" And you're like, "I you think it's actually a three page." Is it three? Isn't it? I it's been a it's long a, time. It folds out. That was Adam's idea. 
I yeah. wrote it as a double. And he's like, no, we need three. <laughs> like, I think clearly it shows Adam, you know, has been there quite a while. <laughs> got, yeah. <laughs> he's got more power than I can. He was like, we can just ask for three and they'll do it. Right. Like, turns out, yep. Yeah. Good stuff. But just, just an incredible. That, that was, I think, the first Jason Aaron piece that I read. I was like, this is dope. <laughs> Where did this come from? Um, but it really informs, it's funny because then of course, like you got your Wolverine run out of that. And, uh, and, and we got, you got to say more about that character as a result, but, uh, but no, no longstanding Spider-Man run from Jason Aaron. Any, is it because you just haven't had a chance or don't really have much to say about the character? Um, no, I mean, I, I could, could I write Spider-Man? Sure. Will I someday? Maybe I mean I'd be interested. No, I, mean, I haven't. I haven't had the chance. Haven't had the opportunity. You know, I was the bulk of my Marvel career. You know, Dan Slott was writing Spider-Man right for, for his epic run. Um, so no, I mean I. Someday, who knows? I certainly like writing Spider-Man. I mean, I, I remember vividly still the first time I ever wrote Spider-Man. It was an issue of Ghost Rider. Um, and it was just, I don't remember what had happened, but there was some sort of, you know, this epic moment had happened that people could kind of feel um, throughout the Marvel Universe. So I, I think we see maybe Frank Castle and Thor, I can't remember who all we cut to, <clears throat> but one of them is Spider-Man, Spider-Man's Spider-Sense is going off. It's just one panel, but... I remember I spent like the whole day working on, you know, that one balloon because I'd never put words in the mouth of Spider-Man before. Um, and it just felt like, you know, a real holy shit moment. Like, yeah. I don't want to screw this up. And I don't even remember what he says, but I'm sure it's probably overwritten. <laughs> worked on it so long, but that was a you know, big moment. I mean, the first time you get a check from Marvel back in the days when you used to get checks, physical checks. Yeah. You know, when you you get a check with Spider-Man on it, like, holy cow. Yeah. I was hoping that, you know, the cashier at the bank would notice. I mean, she, of course, she doesn't care. She just a check. Right. She sees a thousand <laughs> checks a day, but that, I would be very excited to see that kind of check. Spider-Man on it. Right. <laughs> um, and that's funny you mentioned Punisher because you also got a chance to take over for the Punisher Max run for a while. And that was a really respectful and terrific follow-up that got to take Frank in another direction and, surpri- and, and surprise people, I think. Um, how did you like writing for Frank? And uh, would you want to do it again? Yeah, I mean, I liked it a lot. You know, that was... Um... Um, I was coming right after Garth. <clears throat> Sorry. Oh, well, I was just going to say it's over twenty issues. Like you got to talk <clears throat> a lot about it. Like, but yeah. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's coming after Garth's run on Punisher Max, um, which was one of my favorite runs, you know, by anybody on anything for a long time. So I was a huge fan of that. And when they announced that he was leaving, you know, I, I mean, I think this job requires like a healthy mix of of panic and and a little bit of ego right like so i think there was that like oh my god i love that run so much i want to try to follow that yeah um and 
So I ask, like, hey, I would love to do Punisher after Garth. And also inside, I'm like, you know, are you stupid? Like, that's the, <laughs> that's the definitive Punisher run. So I think, I mean, I knew, like, well, I can't do, I'm not Garth. I can't do Garth. So it'll have to be something different. Um, so I think that's, you know, I think you got to have a little bit of that, like, oh, man, that, that guy killed it. Like, I, I want to try to step up to the plate next and, yeah. and do the follow-up. Um, so I was really, I'm really proud of that. Punisher run, you know, it's the one time I got to work with with Steve Dillon. Um, and, you know, I, I think I was I was flipping through that. I don't go back and read my own stuff very often, but I maybe I was moving some books around or something and and picked up that omnibus and flipped through it, and I was like, oh yeah, this was fun. <laughs> it's weird sometimes when you read a page and you're like, man, I have no memory of writing yeah yeah does that does, so you don't get a chance to look, well you actively don't like really look back at your works but it, it, it must be kind of fun to look at some of your work and go like and just kind of enjoy it you know just kind of like forget for a minute that you wrote it yourself and go like oh like whoever wrote that was kind of talented all right <laughs> sure that's also mixed in with the bits you see where you're like "Ooh, what were you Ooh. thinking there well that's like, the thing is that why'd you make that decision i'm sure that the, you know every writer has that like <laughs> that, that 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 crippling anxiety of like oh god everyone is judging what i'm doing sure, um, now, so the worst part is when you have that from like the decisions you made you know two weeks ago oh yeah where you're like what were you thinking me from two weeks ago you idiot <laughs> yeah well like I, I can't even imagine well because it's two weeks that's probably things are very much deep in the works but it's still like maybe enough time where you could call your editor and be like can we change that really quick like <laughs> Like it comes out in a month. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> well, it depends on how close you were to your deadline when you turned it in. Mm -hmm. How are you with deadlines? Do you feel like you've kind of figured it out? Like you've got, you've got a good groove going or is it kind of like down to the wire sometimes? I, you know, I don't know. I, sometimes I feel like I've, should we get your editor on here? Like <laughs> I'll, I'll answer that. more. <laughs> I, do um, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I get to that point where like, I'm, you know, I got it. I'm, I'm on top of everything. Um, and then first, you know, the previous time I felt like that, I, I screwed my back up and didn't write anything for over a month. I think it was mm -hmm. the longest period I'd gone without writing something probably since I was 11 years old. You know, wow. I felt like one of my organs had stopped working or something. Like I just wasn't functioning properly. Yeah. So that, that you know, I went from feeling like I got this to like scrambling, trying to get caught up. So then coming into this year, you know, I, I was paring down my schedule. Um, after doing a lot last year, I kind of wanted to focus on a few things. Well, you know, then we have a global pandemic that sort of not only, you know, does our comic industry shut down for a period of months and Marvel puts a lot of things on pause, but it also even the stuff, that I was working on, I think like a lot of other creators, like it was not, hasn't been easy to, you know, to switch off the world and go write about people punching each other. Yeah. That's yeah. really difficult at times. So it was, I, I feel like now I'm, you know, back up and running and things are chugging along and I'm enjoying what I'm working on, but it was hard there for a bit. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so I think I'm in good, a good place yeah. now, but I should knock on wood because who knows what tomorrow brings. That's true. 
Um, this is not related to what we were talking about, but I have to ask because um, I, I, I did a little bit of research and I love the spinner rack behind you. And I was wondering about where you got it and whether that is in some way connected to, because like the story goes that some of your first comics were came from a spinner rack and like a, not in a, you know, conventional comic book store. Yeah. <clears throat> um, that's the, let me turn my lights down so you can see it. <laughs> sure. Oh, maybe. It's pretty good. It's it really sunny in my office. That's good. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'm seeing, you know, Avengers really? in there and. Uh... Um, yeah, I should have cleaned up a little better before oh, yeah. <laughs> I was going to be on camera. I got like SpongeBob Pop-Tarts. Ooh. <laughs> some alien toy that my son and I are going to dissect at some point. <laughs> cool. The <laughs> wine glass. But yeah, that's uh, the spinner rack was, it was a Kickstarter your I was going to ask, is that the Kickstarter the, one? Yeah, yeah, the Jim Demonakis one. It's really nice. I like it a lot. But yeah, these are, it's like half half of it's stuff I wrote, half of it are books that I bought off the spinner rack as a kid. So, like Blue, Blue Devil, Atari Force. Yeah, is that Vigilante? Um, yeah, Vigilante. <laughs> Adam. Um, like, I think Atari Force, I think, was 83. I think that's was kind of the year for me where I started to want to go, you know, every time my mom was going to the drugstore or the grocery store or whatever, I wanted to come along and yeah. get the spinner rack. My copy of Drew number one. Hey! <laughs> if you look at it closely, you can see where I like I traced over grew like a because i started to do my own like write and draw my own comics back then sure so i had my own like rip off of grew <laughs> so it was me doing conan by way of grew by way of whatever the hell my guy was called right <laughs> you uh it's funny you just referenced the uh conan run i guess we could talk about conan a little bit uh holy crap uh so I assume you were a fan of Conan back in the day and that kind of informs your run now uh, or your run has just, uh, has just concluded actually recently, but, uh, but was it, did your approach to Conan come from a place of like, Oh man, I love Conan. Yeah. Or was it like, I haven't done Conan. I'll do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I said before I, I wasn't walking around with a briefcase full of pitches or sure. characters I really wanted to do. Conan was different. Conan was, I think the one character where, where I was <laughs> waiting for the chance. I, you know, I got my spinner rack here with all the comics I bought as a kid. There's also a shelf right over there where I've got all my Conan paperbacks, all the Robert E. Howard paperbacks. Oh. <clears throat> that I, you know, when I was about the same age when I was reading all those comics, I was also going to the used bookstore and buying all those Conan paperbacks and reading the hell out of those. Sure. So I wanted to do Conan since I was a kid, and I, I talked to. There was one point years ago, kind of I think before I signed a Marvel exclusive, I was talking to Dark Horse about doing a thing. Yeah. Um. So yeah, as soon as I got wind of Marvel getting the Conan license back, 
that one I did I wasn't going to wait around for anybody to ask me you know like Star Wars they asked me you want to do Star Wars sure with Conan I made it clear like I'll fight anybody else to try to hire, hire for this one like I really really want to do this yeah um, and and then just had to come up with a big story and I think for me you know like I one of the things I loved when you if you've read those original Robert E. Howard stories and if you read them in you know the order they were published you know he jumps around from story to story right like jumps around through through time which again may may speak to my interest in in doing that you know and that reading those stories every time you read one like Conan is a different age he's in a right, different right. part of the world he's doing a different thing he's like I love that idea um so that's you know I wanted a story that spoke to that so that's why you know I did a big 12 issue story that's got a through line but for the most part jumps around each issue to a different part in his life yeah um, which was which was really fun it was also challenging in that every month I sat down to write that I was like you know damn like I gotta start all over again <laughs> yeah you can't different. the 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 King Conan story I think uh had more like connective tissue I think than the present day Conan stuff right well I mean it's you know the over the course of those issues we jumped around to so many different points in his life true like a lot of them um yeah, I was really, I'm really proud of that one too, working with Mahmoud and Gerardo Zafino. And yeah. I saw it on covers, you know, it's a pretty amazing lineup. Um, and, you know, we announced at the end of that that I, Mahmoud and I have plans to come back to do a, a King Conan book. Good, yeah. Um, you know, that was originally going to be the end of this year, but of course. Yeah, yep. <laughs> a little bit, but that, you know, I... The, that hasn't gone away. I'm still that's still very much on my radar, and something I hope we can get to pretty quickly next year. Good, good. <laughs> that's just yeah, that's I'm just a personal good. thing. I'm just just like good, okay, good to know. <laughs> that's that's confirmed. Um, All right, because that King Conan stuff, like I was like, there's there has to be more. <laughs> like that's not one of those things where you're like, no, no, no that's pretty good. We're, we're we've kind of said all we need to say about that. Like, mm -mm. yeah, I could definitely write more Conan even after <laughs> this one. I don't know that. That might be something I want to come back to, you know, in the same way Garth always comes back to Punisher to tell very different kinds of Punisher stories. I'd love to just, just pop to in come back to, yeah, Conan for years to come. You know, yeah, that's really cool. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was, um, I don't know. Now I'm just thinking about the Conan run, uh, but I love those, oh, man, those, those, those Asad River covers are just incredible. Anyway, <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, I don't know, man. I guess we could wrap up. I've, I feel like we've uh, we've hit all the topics. I I guess I just I wanted to ask uh, really quick about uh, the teases that are coming because Enter the Phoenix is coming, uh, and I was wondering about whether the, this is a whether this is a, a Jason Aaron exclusive or is this a thing where you're like, well, I was talking to Hickman about this, that, and the other thing, or is this a Phoenix is connected to Marvel or is this like, is it in any way connected to the Hickman run as well? But I don't talk to Hickman about anything. I refuse to. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I, I, no, it's not connected. Okay. Um, certainly 
you know, we reference, I don't, um, I don't want to say too much as to like who's a part of it, who's not a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we the, clearly the Phoenix is most closely associated with the X-Men. So there will be some kind of X-Men presence in that story. Um, but there's also a whole lot of other characters involved. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of as much as it pains me to say it, you know, to compliment Jonathan. I'm a big <laughs> fan of what he's done with the X-Men. Um, and they're doing a lot of cool stuff over there. Um, but the, you know, the Phoenix is um, a big part of the Marvel Universe as a whole, not just the X-Men corner of it. Um, you know, as we see, the Phoenix is one of those primordial characters in those Stone Age Avengers. So we'll be exploring more about those beginnings for the Phoenix as we move into bringing the Phoenix back in the present day and seeing what that means and what that entails. You know, the last time Phoenix Force came flying to Earth in a big way, it turned into Avengers versus X-Men. So yeah. what's going to happen this time? Well, it's been uh, it's been a hell of a run. I mean, like each each chapter of your Avengers run has gotten somehow bigger or more bombastic or more epic. Like each one, it, it seems like 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 your marching orders for Avengers is like, well, it's gotta it's gotta be huge. It's gotta be a swing for the fences. Like we gotta do something massive. I mean, the first arc is Celestials, like which is literally the biggest thing in the multiverse. Like it's the biggest thing possible. Um. So, but, uh, but Age of Khonshu and, and, and now the Phoenix, like, is, is that kind of your, your approach is like, well, it's got its Avengers, it's got to be big. <laughs> yeah, I mean, pretty much. I mean, you know, you've got a pretty powerful group of Avengers, right? Right. So you need something pretty strong for them to punch. Yeah. Did um, you, I'm sorry, I didn't interrupt. Uh, oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, did you have a, did you pick the roster where you're like, these are the Avengers I want to pick? Because it seems like, you know, each run is like, well, these are the, these, the, like anyone can be the Avengers. So you could pretty much pick anybody you want to go on right. that team. Was that kind of your, your lineup? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, we knew at the time it was going to be kind of the first opportunity to have the big three back together again. You know, we hadn't seen Thor Cap and Tony leading an Avengers team in quite a while at that point. So yeah. we knew we'd get those three back together. And, you know, some of them seemed obvious. It seemed, like, yeah, we really need Black Panther and Captain Marvel in that. Um, I was always interested in Ghost Rider and having Ghost Rider be an Avenger. Um, and I was way more interested in Jen Walters as a Hulk than I was as, in, as putting Banner on there again. Right. Um, and then Doctor Strange was kind of the last uh, addition, and I knew... He wouldn't be permanent. He'd be popping up for a bit, and then we'd kind of replace him with somebody else. Mm. Um, you know, and then so I, you know, eventually that was Blade. So I was really excited to, <laughs> to add to the mix. And was that just because you have hadn't had a chance to work with Blade, or was it just kind of like it'd be funny to put him on the team and see what his dynamic was going to be? Well, I just like Blade a lot. I think he's an interesting character, and I, I liked the idea of putting him on that you know, bigger platform, having him be one of the, the main Avengers, you know, it's an unusual spot for him. He's still the guy who goes around and kills vampires and I don't want to change him into something else. But um, I also thought he would 
be a fun character to add to the mix. Sure. Who is your favorite Ghost Rider? I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like I've written, you know, probably you, you've written pretty much all of them. Ghost Riders <laughs> at this point, like a lot of them. Um, I mean, I you know, I'm I'm partial to Knuckles O'Shaughnessy, who I created. Um, he's like the you know basically a Bowery boy as a Ghost Rider. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I. I mean, I. I read some of the original Johnny Blaze stuff when I was a kid. Um, and then got into the Danny Ketch stuff when that was first coming out. But I don't know that I've never been like partial to one or the other, I guess. I mean, mm-hmm. mostly I've written Blaze, but right. I like writing Robbie too. I love the idea of the Ghost Rider with the Hell Charger. It's a great visual. And, uh, and Robbie has managed to find a really strong audience like he's he well he, i think you were the one who wrote the scene where he's like of all the ghost riders you're the worst and he's like i take that as a badge of honor like <laughs> right right which i kind of right. really Things enjoyed it worked out great for the other guys so exactly okay <laughs> um but yeah I, I i just wanted to ask because i know you have not only invented your own ghost riders but have written so many of them i was like ah, let's let's ask what your favorite ghost rider is but uh what is what is next and what uh you know what are you the most excited for in 2020 slash 2020 let's forget about 2020 2021 what's the most <laughs> what are you the most excited about i think we're all excited for 2020 to be over exactly <laughs> um you know i like i said i came into this year kind of wanting to pare my schedule down a little bit focus on avengers so that has definitely been the main focus in terms of my marvel stuff mm-hmm. um like most recently, the last month or so, I've been writing some things for next year, Avengers-related things, I'll say, things that come from the pages of Avengers that are super weird and cool and exciting. Okay. Um, so I've been writing a bunch of that while working on Avengers. Had an outline approved, probably the biggest outline, definitely the biggest outline I've ever written. I don't like writing outlines because I usually find it's hard to kind of tone it down. I sort of go all in and then I feel like, well, I'd really just be writing the thing instead of writing the thing about the thing. Yeah. But this time I kind of let myself go and just like, well, I'm just going to put everything in here. So it's a huge outline. Um, so that I can't really say anything more about what that is, but that's something else that I'll be doing next year and again it's sort of like i was talking about strange and thor of just seeming like oh this is the right character for this time um this is another version of that where it's just like this is the story i need to be writing right now i'm, I'm kind of chomping at the bit to you know start on that first issue cool um and then like i said still have plans to do the king conan stuff um so you know, writing a lot of stuff for next year, which is great. It's good to feel busy again. Yeah. And then, uh, like I said, still have the have the new creator own thing in the works. But um, right now, I've got um, Sea of Stars and the Goddamn. They're both back and both coming out again. Um, Goddamn, I think the first two issues are out. Sea of Stars, the first issue, of the second arc just came out. Um, and those both, you know, of the first volume trades of both of those are 
are out. Um, so two two very very different books. One's a really incredibly dark and brutal Bible story. Mm-hmm. The other one's a mostly fun space romp about a kid and his dad who get separated in space, and the kids kind of swimming through space like it's an ocean, you know, hanging out with a talking space dolphin and monkey and got some kind of superpowers that he doesn't know how he picked up and he's on a grand adventure meanwhile his dad's um you know going through the revenant in space to to try to catch his kid you know he's horrified and that everything he encounters along the way wants to eat him or kill him or tear him apart um so it's you know clearly there's some metaphors i was gonna say (laughs) so it's a metaphor for being a father in america today right on but i mean it's it's about you know, there's some coming coming of age stuff in there about being a kid, and also, yeah, the, the challenges of being a dad. Um, and I co-write that with Dennis Hopeless, who's a you know another Kansas City guy who's done a bunch of Marvel stuff. And the cool thing is, like, I haven't um, co-written a lot of things. No. Um, but of the ones I have, it's, I've never done anything quite like this to where. You know, like I'm saying, it's, it's basically two stories, right? There's one about the kid and one about the dad. Um, and I was, I was kind of more, always more into the kid part of it. And Dennis was more into the dad. So we, he basically writes all the dad stuff and I write the kid stuff. And That's cool. You know, there are times where those two stories kind of crash together and we mix that up a little bit. But for the most part, we're kind of doing two different books um you know on the same pages and again it's it works and that they're two very different stories um yeah you know and that changes a little bit with this second arc we mix things up a little bit but um that's still how we're we're breaking it down so nice it's got you know gorgeous art by Stephen green and enrico Rinzi. i think it's oh i'm really proud of that it's a really bright poppy weird space book which yeah. again, unlike anything I think I've ever done before. No, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a beautiful book and uh, check it out. Um, Jason, where else can people find you? I know you have a newsletter or at the very least you have a, uh, a, a blog that kind of highlights what's, what you're working on. Um, yeah, I've got go? all those things, you know, I've, I'm, on, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram under Jason Aaron. Uh, I do have a newsletter, uh, you know, it's, Again, been a challenge at times this year as to what to write about there, but um, I do try to post on that. I've got a website, jasonaron.info, um, where I've got a work blog and and a store if you want to buy signed copies of my stuff and whatever else I've got there. I remember FAQ, if there's anything you want to know. There you go. If you wonder why, whatever happened to that Scout TV show, which I get asked a lot, well, go to my website and it answers that question. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like um, if it's not being discussed openly, it's like, eh, it's, I think you could probably read between the lines. You could probably figure out what happened with, <laughs> with most of those projects. Um, sure. But yeah, uh, very, very happy to have you. Very, very lucky to have you. Very much. Thank you so much for your work and for being on the show today. You know, it's good to talk to people, right? Like, <laughs> I haven't, we haven't done much of that this last year. No, no. The the convention scene has been dead because of its, uh, you know, because of the, the pandemic. And, uh, you know, it, I think this is kind of like the only place for people to really get access to creators is to 
see them appear and and talk and answer and answer questions that hopefully other people would ask (laughs) and uh you know but i like the idea of putting of making signed copies available on a website that's like a really smart move i've never thought about that i don't know i don't know anybody else who does that but it's a really cool idea because that way you could just you know you you don't have to fly out or risk a you know exposure in order to get that kind of stuff yeah, I mean, who knows when we'll be able to do conventions and signings and stuff again. I mean, I'm, I miss that. I'll be excited when we're able to do that. I like going to cons and, you know, shaking hands with people who have read and appreciated your book. I mean, anybody, anytime somebody comes up with a big stack of comics for me to sign, like, I'm, I'm excited. I'm happy to, happy to sign those because I appreciate the support. So yeah. I'll be glad when we can get back to that someday. That'll be nice. It'll be nice to, to, to get back to the normalcy of getting into a giant building surrounded by thousands of people again. <laughs> right. <laughs> or even risking right. travel to get there. Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking, just the idea of like being in a crowd seems so weird. You know? Yeah. Like going to a bar and standing shoulder to shoulder with people. Right. Seems like, that seems like another world, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it, I think it's going to be interesting to see people acclimating. Like, will it be like instant or will it be that like when you like the first major convention that opens up again will it have like half capacity just because of people's like trepidation or reticence to being out around people again i think Um, it'll be weird i think it'll be everybody like at a middle school dance kind of all (laughs) hugging the walls kind of yeah yeah. i I don't remember where i was at the other day i was in a store or something and this dude was like you know a little close to me and i'm thinking like who's this asshole <laughs> yeah. guys, you know two feet away from me suddenly that's the world we're in where it's like whoa slow down buddy yeah where are you it, going? if any nice thing comes out of this it's that people will respect each other's personal space again hopefully right or we'll just we'll all be so desperate for human contact that we'll all just be <laughs> hugging each other i don't know <laughs> either way i guess yeah yeah uh, we go in another direction right But uh, thank you so much for being here and we'll see you guys next time. So long. Thank you.